Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And good evening, Red Sox fans. Hello, hello, hello. How's everyone doing? Hope everyone's had a good start to their week. Welcome to another episode of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. Ellis, man, how you doing? Hope you're I'm ready doing for great. How's it going? Man, we're doing good, man. We're doing good. You know, we were just talking before the stream. And uh, like you just hit the ground running in the offseason. We already got so much to talk about tonight. Feels like the season just ended a couple of days ago. And uh, we already got a lot to talk about, my friend. And uh, how's everything? You doing well? Everything I'm doing good on your end? How you doing considering the storm and everything last week? Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny uh, because it was the the other one we had Ian. That was definitely more of a hurricane. We had a tropical storm uh, the other day. Right. You know. Hey, you know, lots of wind, lots of rain. And uh, it, it happened overnight. And I thought it was going to be more like in the morning, afternoon time. So I woke up and I'm walking around all day. I'm doing things. I'm like, where the heck is the storm at? And uh, yeah, there was uh, there was Just no hit storm. late. Huh? Yeah. So it hit overnight. So I didn't even yeah. like know that it happened. But uh, yeah, no, I had a couple of friends, you know, some things got knocked down and everything. And uh, yeah, you know. Typical Florida storm for you. Typical Florida storm. Well, probably the worst one. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you. And uh, probably the worst one that I ever had was back in 2004. We had uh, Hurricane Francis. That was uh, probably, I think it was like a category two or three. I didn't have power for over a week. Man, wow. it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a boring week that week. But no, nothing like that this time around. Right. So, But uh, either way, we got some stuff to talk about tonight. And uh, I'm glad everyone is here to join us. And uh, yeah, so we, we're going to be talking a little Brian Reynolds tonight. We're going to be talking some Bogarts, some Raphael Devers, some Nathan Uvalde. We got a full stack for this okay. episode. Uh, but before we do get started, we got to go over tonight's sponsors. And our main sponsor is Bet Online. Baseball is back in or at least the offseason is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchups, info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL. MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to Bet Online to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. And also, we are partners here with SeatGeek. Baseball season's over, but you can still use this for basketball, football, whatever it may be. Use my code HIDE, you get 20 bucks off. And also, check out prize picks. Uh, use my code Ginger and you'll get a 100% deposit match. So let's get to it, Ellis. We got a lot to talk about here. And uh, I think the first thing uh, we got to talk about, what's going on here with Xander Bogarts, Raphael Devers. So I say we jump in here with a little Raphael Devers. We got some news recently from John Heyman of the New York Post. So let's share my screen here. Unfortunately, not great news with Raphael Devers. I mean, I guess not, you know, bad news. There's nothing really going on, but let's go take a look here. Uh with John Heyman, uh he he says here, the Red Sox have reopened contract talks with the star third baseman Raphael Devers, but the gap is said to remain large. Word is the Red Sox have now raised their offer to over 200 million. Probably necessary given the Braves signed less experienced star third baseman Austin Riley for $212 million. However, with Devers only a year away from free agency, he seeks at least 10 years for $300 million plus. Ellis, I got to hear your thoughts right off the bat. What are you thinking here? Do you think maybe this gap could close up here? Well, considering, you know, Austin Riley, of course, was the top dog at that time. You know, $212 million. Uh, how many years did he sign for? Was it seven? That was a 10-year deal, I believe, with Austin Riley. He got a 10-year deal as well. So, Rafi is definitely going to seek that. And uh, considering they're almost $100 million apart, I mean, you got to – I don't know exactly what the offer was that the Red Sox threw out there, 
Yeah. But you got to figure there's a few million apart there. So yeah. it's going to take some time. That's nothing you're going to expect to get done overnight. It's yeah. going to be it's going to be a while and it might come closer to the season. It may even come during the season. You never know. I mean, but I wouldn't be too worried about it right now. That's, right now, it's just preliminary stuff going on. So it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, I think so, too. I think, uh, obviously, from Devers' camp, you know, obviously, you're going to go – you're looking for a big offer. Uh, I think from the Red Sox, the way they're looking at it, I think they're looking at it more down the road where maybe they don't want to, you know, they don't want to break the bank too much. And also, that's another thing with the Red Sox. They've never really offered these, like, you know, 10-year, $300 million deals. They could have done it with bets. They didn't do it. Um, well, they did offer that, but they didn't go as far as the Dodgers ended up going. But with Devers, I think they're looking at it as I wonder what they think of him long term as a third baseman. I've read reports that they're looking at him at more of like an, a Matt Olson kind of a deal. Someone with like a first baseman, like designated hitter profile mm. um, with Devers. I definitely think he is definitely worth a good amount of money. Yeah. I'm not sure about 300. I could definitely see them maybe coming to a spot in the middle. I definitely, I, I agree with what you said right there, where I think this could go into the season. But then again, I also wonder too, because players, you know, I want to get your thoughts on this as well, where players, they don't really want to talk contracts during the season. Do you think, uh, you know, as a player, a former player yourself, was that as big of a distraction as it, you know, players make it, you know, kind of out to be or have you seen players before or have you, have you yourself did you ever negotiate yeah. anything during the season well i've seen players cut things off negotiation wise during the course of the season after spring training so that they're not distracted but as far as you know a person like okay let, let, let's see aaron judge he shut it down last year okay and he bet on himself and he had a, a hell of a year and it's going to pay off for him now Who's to say Rafi won't do that, but who's to say he will? I mean, I wouldn't. I would yeah. rather have that in, in my back pocket. Don't worry about a thing after that. Get it done now and play baseball. You don't want to have to be worrying about that during the course of the season because let me tell you, if you don't sign it, that's going to be a thought process throughout the course of the season. You're not going to tell me Aaron Judge did not think about that at all during the course of the season. He was yeah. motivated. Yeah, You know, that motivated him. But yeah. some players are totally different. Some players, it's, it worries. So who knows if it's going to be a worrisome type thing with Rafi or is it something, hey, let's just get this taken care of. That way I can be, you know, relaxed and comfortable. Yeah, I definitely think the Red Sox, in my opinion, the way they're probably looking at it, at the end of the day, Rafael Devers makes your team better. So I would think if there is not a deal, yeah, it's going to be interesting with, if, if you don't have a deal, you know, going into the season, let's say the Red Sox are maybe like, kind of like hanging around in the wild card race. What do you do at that yeah. point? Do you trade, you know, Devers at that point? Or let's say you're in a, a, you know, in contention. Let's say you're in the running for the division or, or you know, and then Devers, you know, is kind of obviously with no contract. I mean, obviously you got to hang on to him at that point, but you would think the Red Sox would like to get something done by that point. And, uh, but then again, you know, it's I can understand where with the Red Sox, they <laughs> could they you know consider trading him at the deadline. You know, that's well, you something... know what I want. I want to go back to your earlier point when you said, you know, uh, that he in your eyes, he may not be a three hundred million dollar guy. I mean, there's been players with the same ability and uh, better ability, of course, that that's gotten that contract. And, and I tell you what. Rafi is one of the guys that the Red Sox see in their plans in the future. Mm-hmm. He's young enough. I mean, his numbers, if the guy stays healthy, he's going to put up some phenomenal numbers during the course of a season. That's the main thing with Rafi. Last year was one of those seasons he's got hurt a couple of times. Okay. Yeah. That's not going to be able to happen when you put that kind of money into a player. So now as far as the, the Matt Olson comparison, I think he's a, Uh, I'm I'm not saying the comparison to Matt Olson. He's a lot better than him, I think, especially at that age. Mm -hmm. But the number of years will be a concern. I would not go 10 years, like you said, but for that kind of money, he's definitely going to have to get at least seven to eight million. I mean, eight years, you know, at least. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely think seven, eight years, probably looking around maybe 25, 28 million per year in that range. I, I could see, I've seen like a seven year 175 looks, that's 25 per year. Or could you even go a little further than that? You might can go seen, a little higher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Seven, you know, maybe seven to eight, maybe 200 to 220 yeah. over that. I could definitely see something like that. I think the Red Sox, the way they operate, uh, you know, John Henry, you know, Tom Warner and all them, they tend to not want to go very long with the deals. So I could see them being like, okay, yeah, we could do six, seven. Because yeah. when you're, you know, historically, you know, those, they don't want to be tied to these contracts, you know, age 35 plus seasons. I think the Red Sox, they like to maximize value of the contracts. So usually they don't like to go past those 32, 33, yeah. you know, 34 seasons. So that's the sweet spot with Devers. So, I think in the end, there's a good chance they meet in the middle, I would sure. say. Um, you know, especially now that even though, yeah, they are far apart, the fact that the Red Sox are above that $200 million threshold, now it just comes down to will Devers be willing to come down? Uh, do they think he could get that on the open market? Yeah. Uh, that's going to be, I well, think, there's the always going to be a team that's going to offer more. Always. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just going to come down to, okay. Does Rafi really want to stay in Boston? Mm -hmm. Does the Red Sox really want to extend more than seven to 10 years, seven to eight years, go to 10? I mean, he's young. He's very talented. I mean, I really, really like the guy, but it's yeah. just a matter of they're comfortable. If they're comfortable with it, there it is. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Hopefully we can see some of these, uh, these gaps kind of close a little yeah. bit, but... We do have some other news. We have a little Xander Bogarts to talk about. And unfortunately for us, uh, we got some other teams. I mean, no surprise here. Other teams are starting to dive in. But an old friend, Dave Dombrowski, is looking like he is starting to uh, show some real interest in Xander Bogarts. And uh, the Philadelphia Phillies could be emerging as a contender for Xander Bogarts, uh, according to John Heyman. John Heyman's going to be all over the place in the offseason, but Philadelphia yeah. is believed to have real interest in making Bogarts the latest big-ticket addition to the roster. So, uh, as we just saw with the Phillies, uh, yeah, they were two wins away from a World Series. They were in the driver's seat at one point in that World Series. And, uh, hey, in the end, they couldn't get it done. The Astros were just that much better. But, <laughs> honestly, I could really see it. I really could. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that Dave Dombrowski connection is a real thing. Uh, obviously winning that World Series in 2018. Um, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts? I mean, I well, think it seems like a match made in heaven, honestly, if you weren't going to come back to Boston. But I got to hear your thoughts on it. You know, when you talk about Xander Bogarts and, and around the league, you're always talking about, you know, familiarity. He's been, you know, one of these guys that's been consistent his whole career throughout Boston, okay? Now, all of a sudden, Dave Dombrowski goes to Philly. He's seen him firsthand. That's a guy that Dombrowski saw firsthand on a daily basis. He knows what he can do. He's seen it all throughout his career. So I tell you what, I'm not surprised at all by the interest of the Phillies right here in this situation. And, and they're not going to go away. Philly has been known to spend some money. And this offseason, like you said, they came two games away from winning the World Series. That shortstop position was a position that didn't get a lot of action, you know, a lot of production in that position. So they're looking for some production, and they know they're going to have to go out and spend it with the free agent market the way it is now. And I can see that being a key match, uh, I mean, a key spot for Xander Bogarts. Yeah, as of right now, uh, you have Bryson Stott listed there, and it definitely seems like they are – priming themselves to be a contender for any shortstop we've heard trey turner you know we've heard the whole thing about trey turner you know he's an he's an east coast guy he wants to go back to the east coast i i'm never gonna fully buy that i'm sure maybe a player would like to go back to the east coast but uh you know we saw with max scherzer i was just talking about this last night on my show and you know we saw max scherzer there were reports that oh he loved it out on the west coast he wanted to stay out there for the rest of his career you know 
play for the Dodgers, maybe play for the Padres or something like that. And then he ends up going to the Mets. And it was like, no one saw that one coming. Yeah, that was just completely exactly. out of left field. So I'm not sure how much I fully buy that. But um, with Trey Turner, if you don't go after a Trey Turner, I think Bogarts really is the next best option. If we're looking here, I'm going to share my screen here. Yep. They, uh, the Phillies, like you said, did not have a lot of production out of the shortstop position, at least offensively. Bryson right. Stott was good defensively, but offensively, 23rd overall, according to Fangraphs. So definitely need a bit of a boost there. I will say this. During the postseason, it seemed like every time Bryson Stott came up, it he just seemed pretty non-existent. And I'm not going to put so much on the guy. You know, rookie. Yeah, being young, you're right. Yeah, you know, so... I guess what are your feelings on that? You know, just coming from just a straight baseball point of view, being on the field, you know, do you think, do you find that, I guess it's not never, it's never fair, right? Life is never fair, yeah. but what do you think that's uh, something where the Phillies, maybe they should give Bryson Stott more of a chance, you know, or do you think you got a chance here to go after a big guy yeah. and just move him to second? I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on, you know, Bryson Stott here? Well, you know what? Bryson Stott did a great job coming in, filling in for D.D. Gregorius that didn't yes. have a great season, okay? He came in, and he solidified that spot, okay, first of all. But when you're National League champs, you know, you came short just a little bit, a couple of games, all of a sudden you feel like you have to make a splash. I mean, they have the money in Philly. They're going to sell out the stadium each and every night. It's going to be a win-win for them. So they're definitely going to put some pressure on the Red Sox. And I, I would just say Philly, there's going to be other teams. I mean, it's all about the fit when you're talking about, you know, guys, of, you know, of that nature. You know, Trey Turner, you said he's, he's, he wants to go back to the East Coast. He's an East Coast guy. But you know what? With that kind of money, you can buy a private jet, fly there in three hours anyway. So, <laughs> no, it's not about that. It's just about the comfort level. Where do you feel like you would be the best? And right now, I think Xander Bocart, he feels like he'll be the best in Boston, okay? But yeah. he knows there are going to be other teams that are going to come in. It's not going to be a problem with the money situation. That's not the issue. Let's take the money out of the out of the whole scenario here. It's just a matter of do I feel comfortable leaving Boston? Do I want to leave Boston? I mean, they've already offered him a qualifying offer for the next year or so. So, mm -hmm. hey, it's it's up to him now. Yeah, I do think Bogarts has never really, you know, struck me as a guy that's looking for the big contract. Like Carlos Correa strikes me as that guy. He wants mm -hmm. to, you know, go out there and get paid, which is completely fine. Nothing wrong with sure, that. Sure. But, but Bogarts has never really struck me as that. I think he wants to have a contract that he thinks is fair. That's yeah, how it, it, it yeah. doesn't matter for him to be the highest paid shortstop. You're absolutely yeah. right about that. Right. It's just a matter of him being you know, in that category, in that talk, because he is one of the top shortstops in the game. So why not get paid as one? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with him. Uh, like we have talked about before, we hope he stays. Uh, but Hey, I'm not going to be surprised. You got the Phillies out here showing interest there. I'm the Cubs. I, I wonder what they're going to end up doing here. I think they could emerge as a contender for one of these shortstops. Wouldn't doubt you know, Bogarts possibly as an option for them. I think for the Phillies, what's going to end up happening, I think they're definitely going to be looking at this market. They're going to mm -hmm. look to make a splash. But uh, I think at the end of the day, you got a pretty nice backup plan in Bryson Stott at the end of the day. It's yep. you know, not very often you have a young, good shortstop that's also coming off of a rookie season. So at the end of the day, I think the Phillies, they don't necessarily need to go after a shortstop. I think it's a, a very nice luxury to sure. add something like this, but it'll be, I wonder how far they'll go, you know, cause you did add Kyle Schwarber, Castellanos last off season, Bryce Harper, long-term contract. Uh, you got some other guys that are coming up for contracts. So I wonder how far they will go. It'll be interesting. It's well, not like they're I, in I dire what, need. I tell you what, now the Red Sox, on the other hand, you know, it depends on how much pressure you want. Do you want a guy like Xander Bogarts leaving? All of a sudden you have that void. Now you're going to have to go out and try to get one of those other shortstops anyway. Yeah. So 
there you go. You got the guy right now that you know can perform at this level in the city of Boston. Now you bring someone else in, then you have to wonder about, okay, is he going to be okay here in Boston? There's a lot of factors. Yeah. I do think with the the Red Sox, Heim Bloom, knowing Heim Bloom, knowing how uh, the guy, he dots, he dots his I's, he crosses his T's. I'm pretty sure he's got some ideas written down on a piece oh, of yeah. paper somewhere. If you were to lose Bogarts, what option, where do you go? Um, my guess is that you don't go after another guy that's a shortstop. It just doesn't seem like something that they would do if you end up losing Bogarts. They'll find a way to fill that void in another way. I think Story would slide over to short if his if his arm is, you know, he had there were reports where there was something wrong with his elbow last offseason, but I guess that only time will tell, but you could slide Story over to short and I think you could get creative. You don't there is a Gene Segura obviously, you know, with the Phillies. That's the uh the Phillies declining his options. So that's why they're definitely primed to go after a shortstop because you can just move Stott to second. But uh, you could go after someone like a Segura. Um, hey, the Rays, you know, they're, they got a roster crunch coming up. They got all his talent there. Could you look into someone like a Brandon Lau? I don't know if they would trade within division, but some, like some kind of an option like that where maybe you could go see what kind of second basemen are out there to try and fill in there. And you could just slide story over. But like you said, it's it's not going to be easy you yeah. know, to recover that. So, but my guess is Bloom, he's got ideas. I sure. think the I think at the end of the day, when you look at everything laid out on the table, bringing Bogarts back is the most simple solution out of sure. everything. Uh, it's just going to come down to what do they want to do? You know, are they, how far are they willing to go? Will they give enough for him to stay? So I could see Bogarts taking less money to stay you know i don't think a significant amount but i do think he would take less to stay here i think as long as it's just fair so i got you we'll have to wait and see what ends up happening but we do have another guy that the red sox reportedly have offered a deal to and that is nathan evaldi so nathan evaldi was extended a qualifying offer but it looks like the red sox have also offered him a multi-year deal. So the qualifying offer, it's one year, 19.65 million. I'm not sure what the details are on the multi-year contract, but it is coming from Rod Bradford of WEEI. Uh, My guess would be, I'm just guessing here. I'm just speculating. I'm thinking maybe it was like a two-year deal or maybe like a, 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 maybe the one year with some kind of an option. At that point, maybe like a club option or a two-year deal with a club option, something like that. My guess is that they offered the one-year, 19.65, and they offered a multi-year deal maybe around like, I don't know, anywhere 15 to 17 per season. So less AAV, but for more years. Either way, there supposedly is an offer out there. Uh, if you were to, you know, kind of sink your teeth into this, you know, what are you thinking here about Nathan Evaldi and this contract? Well, more importantly, there some serious interest for him to stay. Yeah. You know, that's the most important thing. And I think the Red Sox know firsthand about Nathan Ivaldi's health. They know that, uh, you know, he has the innings left in his arm. I think uh, that's a smart move. When you say a, a multi-year deal, I mean, I could see a two-year deal, really. Yeah. Um, but anything longer than that, you're right. You're going to have to have an option or team option, player option, whatever the case may be. But I can see a two-year deal getting him there, getting him signed through those couple of years because the guy's he's a beast on the hill, man. He gives it all he has each and oh, every yeah. night. You got to love that. He's very competitive. Um, so, yeah, great move right there. Yeah, so I, I got to ask you your opinion on this because I was kind of bouncing back and forth speculating about this on my show last night where as a player – if you're coming off of a season where maybe you don't have you, you haven't had the uh, the best success injury or health wise this past year, like Nathan Evaldi, only 20 starts this past year, yeah. up and down season completely, not the year he wanted going into free agency. If you're a player, and every player is different, everyone's going to have a different way of thinking about it. But I got to ask you your thoughts. If you have an option of taking a one year deal for more money 
or a two-year deal with say, you know, some options or whatever it may be for less money per year, but more money overall. What personally, what route do you go there as a player? Do you look more for, and again, it comes down to mentality. Do you bet on yourself, take that larger AAV? Or do you feel like you'd rather take more of like that bit, bit of a safety net there? I gotta, I gotta hear your opinion on this one. You know, it's the player's comfort level, what it, what it boils down to. Now, if I were in that situation, had a slight uh, medical history, you know, as far as not being able to play the full season, I mean, I would go for the multi-year deal. I would get those two years under my belt. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, if he wants to bet on himself, I mean, hey, every player, you know your situation, you know how you feel. He's obviously comfortable in Boston. Mm -hmm. You know, they gave him an opportunity to come back, rebuild himself, get back healthy. He done that. You know, this past year, I'm sure he, you know, ideally he wanted to be out there on a daily basis. Every start, get 30 starts, of course. Every pitcher wants that. Every player wants to go out there and, you know, play 155 games. But th sometimes that's not the case. But, uh you know, he's one of those guys, I can see him back in Boston. You know, there's a search with him, there's a sense of loyalty. And I think he has that. So, yeah, I think uh, he's one of those guys that you can offer him a one-year deal. He'll take that with an option. Or you can even go with the two-year deal to, to sweeten it up a little bit. He'll take that. Yeah. I'll be, uh, I'll be excited. You know, I've been speculating about Nathan Evaldi. I'd be excited for him to come back. But, you know, there were those comments that he had made at the end of the season – he was not very happy about Kevin Ploiecki getting re released at the end of the year. Um, you know, it was only three weeks left of season. The Red Sox, they wanted to call someone up from the minors and Frank Herman, you know, get him a little work out of that bullpen. So in the end, Kevin Ploiecki, yeah. you cut ties, you know, but Kevin Ploiecki was one of those guys in the clubhouse. They loved him. He was a big clubhouse guy, big chemistry guy. So Nathan Evaldi, he had made comments, um, you know, saying like, you know, why he couldn't just finish out the season, you know, and yeah. he had talked about Hunter Renfro being traded. He had uh, talked about Kyle Schwarber, him not coming back. So he had been bothered about that. I do wonder at the end of the day, I do wonder how much weight it holds, but I wonder if that could come into any decision-making where would he yeah. want to maybe just go elsewhere? Would he want to maybe see what else is out there? Do you think that could have any sort of weight or do you think Nathan Evaldi at the end of the day, you're just going to look at it from a business point of view. Well, you know, as a as a player like Nathan Nivaldi, of course you want your other opposing teammates to know you got their back. Okay, yeah. you you want them to know, hey, this guy, he actually he was his starting catcher. He was the guy that that caught for him. You know, he was one of those yeah. guys that, yeah, he, he was the one he depended on. So yeah, there was some disappointment there, but overall, you know, it's a business. I mean, it's it's a every day it could be a change. Every year there's going to be a change. So yeah. He was disappointed, and of course, you know, with the way they ended the season in Boston, you know, you were in last place in that division. You know, there was some serious disappointment from everyone. So, yeah, when Kyle Schwarber left, you know, the, all those guys that weren't there before that looked like they were going to be a key part of those, that team for a couple of years, and it just didn't happen that way. Sure, there's some disappointment, but, uh, yeah, I think he's saying that because just to let, you know, let him know, hey, we, I have your back, basically. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. I think in the end of the day, uh, I think it makes sense for them to come back together. The Red Sox need pitching, and yeah. we'll talk more about that in just a little bit. But I think it makes sense, you know, for Rivaldi, you know, especially if you're coming off the year that he had um, and you're still being offered a multi-year deal, you know, for yep. the team you've been with. I think that's a win, honestly. So I think it shows from the Reds. And I actually like that from the Red Sox. I, it comes down to what are the, how much is it per year? Yeah, I'm sure it's at least 15, 16 per year, maybe 17 even, if they're doing the one-year 19. I would imagine you're probably looking at, if it's a two-year deal, maybe 16 or 17 per. But I think it's a good move from the Red Sox point of view. You know, it shows that they're, they have loyalty still with him sure. and they want him to stay around. So I like that they did that. I, and to me, I think it just makes sense, you know. so Win-win. But we'll have to see what ends up happening. But uh, let's kind of get into – some rumors here. So we'll uh -oh. talk about the pitching here in just a little bit, but there is a little, a little something, something right now. The Red Sox 
it looks like they're trying to make some upgrades in the outfield. The outfield last year, it was a bit of a mess. You know, Hunter Renfro not sticking around. There was definitely a loss in the power department there, you know, run production. You could see the outfield was just not very productive last year. Verdugo had his moments. Kike Hernandez was out. Ref Snyder was fun at times, but the outfield as a whole, you know, Jan yeah. Duran underperformed. They need some upgrades you need in some this outfield. In there. And now there is one guy that could be emerging. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think this guy is going to move. I'm going to, I'll dive into it in just a second, but Brian Reynolds could be an option for the Red Sox. So taking a look here, uh, the Red Sox are the latest club to show interest in Pirates outfielder Brian Reynolds, according to Alex Spire of the Boston Globe. Reynolds is one of a few names on the trade radar for the Sox early in the offseason. As Spire reports that the Red Sox have also looked into the Diamondbacks group of left-handed hitters. And uh, there's also Sean Murphy. His name is coming out there. No surprise to see the Red Sox connected with him. We have talked about Sean Murphy in the past where it's probably going to take quite a bit to get him. So I wonder how realistic he is. Brian Reynolds, on the other hand, that is going to be interesting. And I want to just give my thoughts on this real quick. I personally, and I, I want to hear your thoughts. Sure. The Pirates obviously are not in a state at all to win any championships at the moment. But I think the Pirates, they got some good young players there. We just saw the Guardians, young yep. team from last year. The Pirates are stockpiling a lot, a lot of talented guys. I think the Pirates could be better sooner rather than later. So I wonder how motivated they are to trade Brian Reynolds. I think it's just natural for him to pop up in these trade rumors just because the Pirates are obviously not contending for a championship anytime soon. Um, so it's easy to see his name in the rumor mill all the time. Sure. Um I got to, you know, to me, I think the Pirates, that that's their guy. Like, that's, that's Brian Reynolds. That's like your centerpiece of your organization. You got to keep Brian Hayes, too. But uh, I personally don't think the Pirates are very motivated to give him away or trade him away. What do you, what do you think here? Obviously, Brian Reynolds would make the Red Sox better. But coming from a point of view, like from the Pirates organization, how do you feel? Do, do you feel like you got to hang on to Brian Reynolds? He is still, you know, three years away from free agency. Yeah. Is that a guy you would hang on to if you're running the Pirates? Now, if you're running the Pirates, yes, that would be a, a guy you want to hang on to. But again, you have to look at maybe he – we don't know the situation in Pittsburgh yeah. if they offered him a multi-year deal because Pittsburgh is one of those organizations that seem to want to get those young guys locked in for a long time. And they haven't done that with Brian Reynolds. And You know, I've seen this kid when he was a kid, talking about in San Francisco before he got traded over there. And and I tell you what, he has everything that it takes. I, I just love the way he plays, switch hitter, power both sides, great defensively. Uh, he's one of those guys that's, you're right, he's going to be something, a, a centerpiece in Pittsburgh, or he's going to be a great piece to trade off and get a yeah. lot back for him. Yeah, absolutely. And if we're looking at Brian Reynolds, had himself – a really good season. Let me share the screen so we can see his numbers from last year. So he got off to a bit of a slow start last year, but he mm -hmm. really started to pick up the pace uh, eventually, or he ended with a 262 average, a 345 on base, 461 slugging, 27 homers, a 125 WRC plus. Uh, defensively, he was actually very poor defensively last year, but uh, the last couple of years prior to that, he was better. So it seemed like there was a little something off with Brian Reynolds last year, he got off to a really slow start, but in the end, it ended up having a, a decent season or a, pr a pretty good season overall. Yeah, a good season. Yeah, I think Brian Reynolds, I, oh, I would love to have this guy in Boston. Absolutely. Uh, he's not a free agent until 2026, tons of control. He's exactly what Hein Bloom would love to have, but unfortunately, hmm. it's going to take a lot to get him. So, with a high price. If we go to BaseballTradeValues.com, the best baseball trade simulator out there, uh, Brian Reynolds is not going to be cheap. He's right around $60 million worth of value. And if we're looking at some players that the Red Sox would have to send back in a deal, just for perspective, uh, Marcelo Meyer, he's worth $55 million as of right now. Tristan Casas is worth $40 million. Whitlock, 35 right around. Bayo, right around 33. So you could see what it would take 
to get someone like a Brian Reynolds. I don't know. I, I think this is more of a kicking the tires kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and again, with Brian Reynolds. See what's out there. Yeah, it's it's always, you know, he's always what's, on the what's, room. What's, uh, what's Jaron Durant's uh, trade back? So Jaron Durant, he has plummeted a bit. He was at one point over $30 million. Now he's only at six. So, oh, wow. yeah. Yeah, baseball trade values, what they do here is they – if we're looking at how they value major league players, you know, it's all these, you know, advanced analytics and whatnot, but uh, they basically come up with their value through a few things. They look at wins above replacement. They tend to favor fan graphs. They're looking at projections. Uh, they also use inflation. They look at how many years of control are on the deal until they're a free agent. How much injuries or uh, how much injury risk do they carry? Uh, roster risk as well. And obviously how much they're making too. And you could see with someone like Brian Reynolds, who is not a free agent here for what three, four more years. He's only making six point eight million. I mean, this is a this is a president of baseball operations dream to have on your team. Good yeah. production, cheap, and he's not a free agent for a little while. It's the uh, it's the ultimate bargain. So Brian Reynolds, someone like him, it's going to cost a quite a bit to get him. Yeah. So. Now one thing I would say about that, and I totally agree with everything you just said, you know, but you talk about a kid like Jaron Durant. You know yeah. he has all the talent, okay? But it's just a matter of his comfort level at the big leagues. You know, he, he hmm. did it at AAA. He still, every time he gets demoted to AAA, he just has phenomenal numbers up there. Now, he gets up to Boston. He's one of those kind of players. He's got to play every day. He can't come off the bench. Today, Monday, he'll start, not start again till Wednesday or Thursday. It's not that it's not going to work for him. He yeah. has to be out there on a daily basis. He has to get into a rhythm. He's one of those rhythm type players. Mm -hmm. And I can sense that already. You know, I was like that when I was really young at his age. So, yeah, that's going to take some time. So the value, his value has dropped down due to that fact that, you know, once he got an opportunity to play, he didn't perform. Yes. But I would not fold the tents on this kid at all. I'm going to tell you that right now. No, no, absolutely. Uh, if I'm looking back at his value here, and again, it's just value at the end of the day. It's what it is right now. We've mm -hmm. seen many guys, you know, through these number crunches where they could all they could all of a sudden just really pick it up that next yeah. year and their their value skyrockets. Obviously, it's what you it's what you put out onto the field. Um, so yeah, with him, considering his age, considering he doesn't really ever get injured, um, and obviously he's not a free agent for a long time. If he just puts the performance there, his yeah. value could jump up if, anyway, you know, 30, 50 million bucks, you know. So yeah. but Durant, do I it's just a matter him, of do I see him in Boston? No, I don't see his future in Boston, mm -hmm. but I do see him as a big league player. Yeah, I mean, I I would love, you know, I love Jaron Duran. He's really exciting. He gives me those Jacoby Ellsbury feels, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit of um Grady Sizemore as well. So I, I like I like Jaron Duran, um, but I could see I could see them going either way because he still has value. So yeah. there that that was his median value. It goes uh, all the way up to around seven as of right now. So I could see him maybe being included. It just depends on how the Red Sox see him, you know, in the future. But right. he could be included in some kind of a deal. Uh, he would not obviously be the one piece to get it done for someone like Brian Reynolds. You need to throw right. in a lot more than that, but I think it's possible you could see him in some kind of a deal, but I agree with you. I definitely think he has a future and I agree where you just need that consistent playing time. You need yes. that. And, and sure you could have consistent playing time at triple a, but I think, you know, you, you have anyone knows triple a is not the major leagues. So, not at all. um, he kills it every time he goes there, but <laughs> there, there are some other, you know, we just mentioned here as I was reading this, that they, they are looking at the Diamondbacks group of left-handed hitting outfielders. They do have a surplus. You got Corbin Carroll, who I think is going to be an absolute star. Uh, Dalton Varsho, that guy is awesome. He's like a linebacker out there, just running around center field. He can catch two. Uh, Alec Thomas, young player, should be really good. And then there's also Jake McCarthy. I think Jake McCarthy is a name to really look out for. Let me share the screen so we can look at his numbers here. Because if I'm looking here at the Diamondbacks, 
I mean, if I'm looking at Corbin Carroll, Dalton Varsho, and Alec Thomas, I mean, this is a future outfield that is just got star potential all over it. But Jake McCarthy, though, really good. If we take a look here, he's not a free agent until 2029. Tons of value um, in that, just in that alone. But last year, he hit 283, 43 RBIs, has some speed, 23 stolen bases, pretty solid on base of 342. Uh, slugging, sure, you'd like that to be a little higher, but overall, this is a guy you could put at the top of your order, left-handed bat. I mean, yeah. I think Jake McCarthy could be, I think he's going to be an option out there for a lot of teams that could be using, looking for a bat. Right off the bat, uh, I think a team like the Marlins would like to have someone like him. You got Pablo Lopez over there, Diamondbacks, if they want some pitching. Mm-hmm. I think Jake McCarthy is going to be a pretty hot commodity out there on the trade market. Just considering here that you have these three guys, you know, so McCarthy, he has really built, built up his value. And actually, if I go pull up the Diamondbacks, he's also, because he doesn't have much of a track record as of right now, but with Jake McCarthy, he is someone that's going to be a lot more affordable, 20 million bucks. So in value, so right. it would not be hard to put together some kind of a package with someone like him uh, what i'm talking here left-handed hitting outfielders and the red sox they are trying to make some kind of an upgrade so i kind of want to segue this into a guy that is also a left-handed bat with the red sox that is current you know he's right there in the outfield and that's alex verdugo and uh i gotta hear your thoughts on this because there's a lot to unpack in this article there's actually some speculation that maybe the Red Sox could use Verdugo in some kind of a trade in some way, shape, or form. But there were some reports. Uh, Alex Cora did talk about um, Verdugo at the end of the season. And uh, there were some kind of weird things said about him. Um, if I were to go back to this article here, it's on Mass Live. They're saying here, we're going to push him hard this offseason to get back to playing faster, to playing quicker. I think athletic-wise, he can do that. This obvious this offseason, obviously, with him playing for Mexico, his offseason stuff is going to be different. Uh, he's going to be in better shape heading into spring training. I think this is a guy who we envision to be an impact player, not only in the batter's box, but also on the other side of the ball. So what he's talking about here was that he bulked up last offseason. We saw the same thing happen with Andrew Benintendi. He really tried to hit for more power, and mm-hmm. uh, that ended up really backfiring on Benintendi. And because uh, Ben Intendi was more of a you know doubles hitter, more of a contact hitter, and when he tried to get into more power, we saw what happened with him. And then in the end, in the end, he went to Kansas City. But Verdugo had something similar, and uh, there were in this article here. It mentioned that there were some people with the Red Sox that were a little frustrated with him. Uh, it says here. Those numbers mixed with questions about Verdugo's preparation and unique routine frustrated Red Sox decision makers throughout the season, a source said late in the season. While taking batting practice on the field is always optional, the team would have liked Verdugo, who prefers to hit in the cage, to take uh, traditional BP more often. In addition, some of the Red Sox were unhappy that Verdugo, whose calling card is his ability to put the ball in play and get on base, tried to bulk up in an effort to hit more for power. So again, I got to kind of hear your thoughts. It's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, do you think that could be enough for the Red Sox to maybe just think, eh, maybe he's not really, you know, a great fit or what do you think? I don't know. I just got to hear your thoughts on all that. Okay. Uh, let me start from, you know, from when I saw Alex Verdugo, you know, he's one of those players. He puts the ball in play. Okay. His swing did get a little longer. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he was missing a lot of good fastballs, you know, a little, little tardy on them. But I tell you what, he has the ability. And, you know, when you're a little tardy, first of all, you don't want to bulk up even more. You mm-hmm. want to be quicker. I mean, I'll give you a prime example, Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is not the biggest guy out there, but his bat is so quick. Yeah. He just gets the head of that bat to the ball and, and you know, makes it happen. So, that being said, I mean, you don't have to be the biggest, the strongest guy to have power. You just have to, you know, it's, it's all about bat control. Alex Verdugo has bat control. He can hit the ball to left field, center field, right field, spray the ball all over the park. It's just a matter of him getting a little more aggressive at the plate. And, you know, as far as, uh, 
you know, him not taking batting practice on the field. I saw that a lot last year. I mean, I'm sure there's some frustrations with the organization because he did some things last year on the field that was questionable defensively, um, you know, offensively running the bases. I mean, there's yep. so many things you could clean up with Alex Verdugo. So, you know, uh, I think he's one of those players. He can play. He definitely can play in Boston. He can play anywhere. So, he needs to just come out with a different mentality, switch it up a little bit as far as, you know, uh, being on the field, being a part of the team more. Go out there and take batting practice on the field. Let You know, I think his his thing was he rather see the ball, the line drives in the batting cages. I, would, I always wanted to see the flight of the ball. You know, when I hit on the outside, you see the flight of the ball, you can tell, okay, I'm feeling good that day. It's coming off the bat very quick, very hard. That sound you could tell. All right. Some players go with that. You know, he's on him. Him on the other hand, he's a little different, but I can't take that away from him, but the guy can play the game. I mean, I've seen him battle lefties. He can hit left-handed pitchers. He can hit righties. He's just one of these guys. You have to light the fire underneath him because there were times where he thought he hit home runs. And look, when you when you hit a ball, you know you got it. Then you can just stand back there and watch it. But one of those balls in between off the wall or in the gap, dude, there's players behind you that can drive you in. And the Red Sox didn't have those power numbers last year to be waiting back for a home run. You had to get in scoring position in order to get some runs in. And I think that hurt him more so than none throughout the season. But he's a quality player. I like him a lot. He's proven he can hit at the big league level. It's just a matter of cleaning up a few things. Yeah, and and to me, you know, he's he's not even twenty seven years old yet. I mean, so still you're a young player. Uh, like you said, you know, definitely some things he can clean up. Did hit two eighty last year. If we're looking yeah. at his numbers, uh, two eighty. The on base, you would like for it's not bad at all, but you would like for someone like him who has done a great job of getting on base in the past. You would like for that to be better. The slugging, I'm not too worried. Like, again, I think he reminded me a lot of Andrew Benintendi. You know, maybe a little more power than Benintendi, if that makes any more sense. Um, he just has that – he has that ability to hit for home runs. I don't think that's his main shtick, though. Right. Uh, but, I, yeah, like you said, there are some little things with Verdugo. Uh, hey, with him, with Verdugo – that's been a guy, especially, you know, public, public relations. They they like to put the spotlight on him because he has that character. He has that charisma. Sure. So, you know, they like him, you know, when it comes to, you know, just the fans and whatnot. He, he's engaging. So, you know that they would like for him to stay around for that. I don't think they end up moving him. I think they end up keeping him around. But I definitely could see them going after someone like a Jake McCarthy because, um, he can do, he the one thing with the Red Sox right now is they could use something in right field. Obviously, Rob Refsnyder right now is your option listed here. Yeah. But to me, we've talked about this before. Ref Snyder, definitely a solid bench piece. But uh, I think someone like a Jake McCarthy can make a lot of sense. He's not gonna break the bank. That's the kind of a guy I could see the Red Sox trading for. Someone that's not going to completely unload your farm, maybe give up a a quality prospect or two, but none of your top guys. And you could right. get someone like McCarthy uh, in that scenario. So I think you'd be a really good addition. We'll have to just wait and see how the Red Sox go with this. Yeah. Um, there are some other players out there. I can't wait to talk about this one. I, yeah. I, I'm telling you, Kadai Senga, I don't know if you've seen any film on him or any Not. tape on him. He's the, uh, the latest picture out of Japan. And, uh, this guy throws absolute gas. He's got a fork ball that was the hardest ball to hit contact-wise in Japan this past year. Great numbers. Uh, and he's going to be a free agent. He's an international free agent now. So you don't have to do any of the posting fees. I got to ask you. So the Red Sox, they are showing some interest in him. They have scouted him in the past. What are your thoughts on players? Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of successful players come over from Japan. Uh, what would you think about the Red Sox going after someone like Senga? I mean, you know, the, the the track record for the last few years have been pretty good with players coming over, especially the pitching. Uh, I've never seen this guy. You know, I've heard, but I've never seen him. But I tell you what, 
there's going to be a list of teams that are going to be lining up for this guy. It's going to become a bidding type war. So, I mean, it, you just have to wait and see. But, yeah, a pitcher like that, yeah, you can definitely use him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially Look at his numbers in Japan. Solid numbers overall. Uh, a record of over 11 seasons, a record of 104-51, 2.42 ERA, 10 strikeouts per nine. Uh, but the big thing with him, it's the stuff. He has touched right uh, just a tick under 102 with his fastball. Mm. The forkball, it is just – got to go watch it. Go on YouTube after this and just go watch the forkball with him. It is just so nasty. They call it the, the ghost fork over in Japan. Uh, because it just disappears. It, just, it looks like a fastball coming in, and it just dies at the last Kude second. Singa. Okay, I'm going to check it yeah, out. It's a, it's a nasty forkball. I'm sure you'll look at it and just be like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, but he's got great stuff. And uh, he remind, uh, he's not the same picture, but I'll tell you, when the Red Sox went after Daisuke Matsuzaka in 2007, that was, in my opinion, that was the peak, like the peak off season. That was right. the best. I'm not, I know you were, uh, uh, that was a few years after you had retired at that point. Do you remember anything about those sweepstakes at all when the Red Sox went after yeah. Dice K? I tell you what, that was something to watch. I mean, I was always interested in seeing the process of guys coming over from Japan, yeah. how each team was going to pursue that particular player. And fortunately enough, the Red Sox got Dice K, and I saw him pitch. I mean, you're talking control, mm -hmm. power, you know, finesse at the same time. You don't see that very often. A guy that has power numbers, and he can put it pretty much where he wants to put it, each one of his pitches. I think the kid had like seven damn pitches. You know, it yeah. was crazy. It was but, yeah. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was, he was, he was tough. He was one of the – so that first – even just getting back to that offseason before before I even get into like him on the field, I still remember because you didn't have Twitter at the time, you didn't mm -hmm. have social media, you had you had nothing. You had you relied on the Boston Globe, you relied on the Boston Herald, you relied on these beat reporters to get any updates they could. They had their sources that they could call. Those were the ones that you had to focus on when it came to the rumors. And you know, just like today, but you didn't have the widespread you know, rumors going out there. Right. I still remember when they, they flew out to California. It was like a soap opera. They flew out there to talk with him and Scott Boris. They got him on a plane. They're coming back to Boston. People were tracking the flight of Dice K coming <laughs> to Boston. Like people were going crazy over it. I was glued to my computer screen. I still remember that day. I got home from a uh, off season baseball practice at that point. And I'm just glued to my screen, just looking. I'm refreshing, refreshing, looking to see, all right, where's Dice K? What's going on here? And uh, I still remember his first start in Kansas City. Like, it was just, it was so cool because you never really saw, at least in Boston, you didn't really see a picture like that. You had Hidale Nomo. Yeah. But uh, Hidale Nomo, he went to the Dodgers originally. Dice K was just so exciting when he came over. And like you said, there was intrigue because, it's yep. you didn't know and it was, it was also just someone like him was so good in japan i still remember that first start uh in at femway with ichiro there that was all the cameras and just the, the the japanese paparazzi running around everywhere it was fantastic i loved every second of it um he was solid in the postseason that year in 07 sure. in the end dice k he grew more and more he ended up becoming a bit frustrating a little bit because the guy uh, he was the definition of nibble the corners my goodness like i've never seen a guy nibble so much on the corners yeah. and uh it, he, would, he would be at like a hundred pitches already through like four innings and he would barely be walking guys so it, it was it was always fun to watch dice k but i would love someone like kadai senga i mean that guy's stuff he's uh I'm looking He's at him right now. He's had some injuries over the last few years. There was a little something with his elbow at one point. I uh, hurt his ankle at one point. But scouts are thinking he's going to be fine moving forward. At the very least, he'll be a very, very good arm out of the bullpen. So it'll be interesting. He was in the World Baseball Classic a couple of years ago, uh, back in 2017. They get the World Baseball Classic coming back. I'm excited coming up, for that. Right. But uh, 
Yeah, he was in the last one. He struck out, I think, 16 batters over, I think, like 11 innings or something like that against guys from the United States, Australia. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, the Red Sox, they are keeping tabs on other pitchers out there. Uh, we got some other names. We got guys like Andrew Heaney, uh, who's going to be a free agent. Uh, Tyler Anderson, who's a free agent as well. Yep. So the Red Sox are definitely out in the pitching market right now. Um, but Kadai Senga is someone that they have scouted very heavily. So we'll have to see if that turns into anything. Um, we have talked about this one before. I do want to share my screen. Uh, so it looks like they are going fully forward with Garrett Whitlock as a starter in 2023. So you had the general manager meetings not too long ago. Uh, they also mentioned that Tanner Houck, they could look at him possibly being a starter again as well, but there has not been a decision made. But it looks like they are very, uh, very dedicated to using Garrett Whitlock as a starter in 23. Uh, they go on to say here, with Witt, uh, we told him to plan to be a starter and we expect him to be a starter. With Tanner, we said something similar. We talked through that. He will go through the offseason planning to be a starter and we'll build him up as such. Uh, but there's a little bit uh, less definition around his role, and he knows it could go in either direction. Uh, Whitlock to the rotation was a little bit more clear and definitive than the situation with Hauk, whose role figures to be determined in part by the course of the Boston offseason. So if we're looking at the current Red Sox rotation, they are listing him as the number five. Overall, on paper, it's you know it, it looks good, but I think it really comes down to are these guys going to be able to get their innings? Are they going to be able to make their turn? You know, I'll tell I'll tell you this, Ellis. I think the Red Sox rotation is at its best when these guys are just making their starts. If they're just making their starts every fifth day, you know, every one of these guys are getting at least twenty five starts. I think that's the most successful, uh, the most successful plan for a rotation. What do you think about the rotation as it is right now? Do you think you got to go after some other guys on the market? Just what are your general opinions just looking at this rotation as of right now? Well, looking at that rotation, I mean, anytime you bring some guys out of the bullpen, you're going to have to build up their arm strength, okay, yeah. for the long haul. Um, you know, those they can definitely do it. Garrett Whitlock, I mean, and Tanner Hout, they can definitely do that. It's just a matter, okay, now you're looking at the domino effect. Who's going to be in the bullpen now? You're going to have yeah. to go out and make a splash in the bullpen because, first of all, the bullpen wasn't at the best last year anyway, you know, considering you had those two guys in the pen. Now, all of a sudden, you bring that out. You, you definitely have to go out on the free agent market or bring some guys up that can fill those uh, voids. But I think uh, Garrett Whitlock, on, I think he could easily – become a starter we saw pieces of it we saw a little glimpse of that throughout the season he can be phenomenal he could be a closer he could be a short guy he could be a starting pitcher he has a lot of different options and a lot of things you could do with him but uh yeah i, I think if you can put those two guys in the, in the rotation you know you got you got a healthy chris sale coming and you know we're forgetting about big maple i mean you yeah. don't know what's going to happen with him He's, he's coming back this year. He's going to be 100%. That's another guy you have to think about also. Yeah. I hope he I hope he's healthy, man. I mean, he was yeah. he, is, he was really good in 2019. He was very good. Yes, 2018 was. was very good. Um, I would love for him to just really step up in the rotation. That'd be huge. But I definitely think the Red Sox, I think they need to just keep adding depth in any way they can. So I'm not surprised yeah. to see them have ties to some of these lower end starting pitchers. I don't expect them to go after someone like Carlos Rodon or Jacob deGrom. I, I think that they don't, they don't agree philosophically when it comes to the money with yeah. those kind of guys, but I can see them like a Tyler Anderson's out there. He did well with the Dodgers. Heaney showed some good stuff last year. I could see Bloom being intrigued with what he could bring to the table. Sure. Uh, so there's some options. I definitely think they need to add a guy. I would love someone like to me. That's why I kind of, I almost like the idea of Senga, you know, just because he's, he's such a wild card. Yeah. And um, I just would love to see how Cora and 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 the gang would utilize him because that is a guy at the very least you could just put in the bullpen. I'm, I would imagine they would want him as a starter. But they're, just the more depth they can get, the more options they can get, um, 
that's I think key. They just they just lacked so many innings last year out of this rotation, and yes. uh, guys just being able to make their starts consistently. We saw in 2021 the rotation didn't look amazing, but they all made their starts. Like that's what they were just. You never had to worry about if a guy was you know going to be in the rotation. You know next right. time around. You know sure they there were some guys there where. Yeah, it wasn't the best, but they were getting at least five innings out of all of those guys. Well, you and had that consistency, working. and you had that health throughout the season in yeah. 2021. You, yeah. know, you didn't have those issues. Then they need to get back to that. So that's what I think Bloom is going to be looking to do. Uh, there is one more little thing uh, that I wanted to touch on. I just mentioned uh, 40. Or I talked about the Rays earlier with 40 man rosters. You got some uh, Rule 5 draft coming up, non tender deadline coming up. And uh, the Red Sox have added Emmanuel Valdez to their 40 man roster. This was one of the players that they got back in the Christian Vasquez trade. Uh, we've talked about him before. A very, very talented prospect. He really emerged last year in the Astros organization, taking a look at his numbers overall last year in 22, uh, between three levels, uh, or sorry, two levels, double A AA and triple A between the Astros and the Red Sox organizations, hit 296, a 376 on base, a 542 slugging, 28 homers, and 107 RBIs. Uh, also had eight stolen bases. He can play a bunch of different positions. What are your thoughts here on adding a guy like this to your 40-man roster? Yeah, I I saw uh, quite a bit of him when once he came over, you know, to Worcester. And I tell you what, he had some pop in that bat, quick bat, mm -hmm. uh, a short swing. You could tell he's not far away. I mean, that kid. Yeah, there's some explosiveness in his bat that I really liked. And defensively, he wasn't bad at all either. So, yeah, he, I can see that move happening. I'm, I'm glad they did that. You know, you, I'm not saying you have to justify a trade like getting rid of. Uh, Christian, but I tell you what, this kid can actually play. He's good. I like that. Oh, yeah. Good move. I, mean, I love the versatility. He can play yep. in the infield. He can play in the outfield. And he can kind of just do it all. He did cool down a little when he went to the Red Sox. But, you know, I, to me, uh, if you're you know, a young player like him going to a different organization. Yeah, I can getting traded over is a big deal, man. Especially at the minor league level. That's a big deal. You, you're, oh, yeah. you're leaving one organization that you're comfortable with for a number of years. And you're going to another spot. You know, you don't know exactly, okay, why did I get traded? A lot of a lot of those guys don't understand the baseball aspect of getting traded. Okay, I, I traded you. I, we, we traded for you because we think you're going to be a great addition to this club. It takes some explanations for those kids to understand that. But, yeah, I can see him slumping just a little bit. But he showed enough promise, I thought, that, yeah, this was a, a good reward for him. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I, I saw some highlights of him. He's he's an explosive player. There's a lot to be excited, and uh, I think it's it's clear the Red Sox when they got him, they obviously this was a guy that they saw something in. Yes. I'm surprised, you know, the Astros. I'm sure they hated to give him up, you know, but they went after Christian Vasquez, which ended up being a good move because it helped them win a World Series. Yes. Um. Hey, it is what it is, but. That is all we got for tonight, everyone. That is all we got. Uh, man, we talked about a lot there. We Great got show. this offseason. It is, it is just fully underway. The, the wheels are turning. So next episode, I'm sure we're going to have a lot more to talk about. Um, but, uh, Ellis, before we get out of here, any last thoughts on anything before, before we get out of here for the night? Well, I think, you know, the Red Sox are, are in the right position to start looking at different free agents right now and, and cleaning up the house themselves. You know, talking to Xander Bogarts, you know, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about the Rafi Devers deal. That's going to take care of itself. I think the fans are worried about that. No, he's going to be fine. He's going to be a centerpiece of this club for a number of years. It's just going to be a matter of how many years. But I think the Red Sox are in great position right now to look at a lot of different options. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. You know, and I kind of we just mentioned Christian Vasquez where. You know, Bloom, he had made some comments at the trade deadline in the season saying that there were moves that he wanted to make. There were phone calls that he wanted to make. The There are some trades out there, the Juan Soto one being one in particular that it was kind of holding up the market a bit there. 
Uh, but Bloom, he said, hey, there were phone calls that never got made, you know, deals that never got talked about more. So I think he was excited to get to this offseason. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not surprised at all to see, you know, the Red, the Red Sox, It's it was kind of a running joke last offseason a little bit. Uh, they were the kings of interest last offseason. But this offseason, I think there's a little more weight to it. I think yeah. there's there's a little more, I wouldn't say pressure, but there's more I urgency. <laughs> you know, more more urgency. You know, yeah, again, yeah. why not? A little, yeah, pressure. Let's call it pressure. So yeah. um, I don't think any of this stuff, I, I don't think it's going to be interest, interest, interest. I think you're going to see some moves. I think you're definitely going to see some creative ones. Um, I think Bloom is going to add a couple of fun pieces. I'm not yeah. necessarily saying big ticket pieces, but I think he, someone like Jake McCarthy, someone of that profile where maybe you don't really know the name very much, but a player that could be really solid for your team, you know, can contribute and help this team. Sure. So just have to wait and see. But everyone, before we do get out of here one more time, uh, tonight's sponsor is Bet Online. Use the code believe B L E A V get a 50% welcome bonus. And don't forget about our sponsors here on the channel. We got SeatGeek. Use my code Hyde, 20 bucks off. And prize picks. Use my code Ginger. And uh, don't forget, we just recently got the Manscaped sponsorship. So use my code Hyde for that as well. But Ellis, I want to thank you. Another episode, my friend. Uh, we will be back eventually probably sooner rather than later because there's going to be some news to talk about. So, All right. But uh, everyone, thank you for joining tonight. Have yourselves a great night, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.